action. Dun, 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 dun. Not allowed to use that theme no more. <laughs> no. So, uh, um, I'm here with Chris uh, under his channel, Adopt a Trucker and Friends. And um, so, Chris, uh, we're going to do another session together here. You just finished talking to the Emergency Act uh, Commission Inquiry uh, Committee. And um, you told me some neat things that you, you had to say to them. I, I, did the, I did an interview with them as well. And uh, they sent me back like a summary of my interview, and I'm going to correct some things and, and expand on stuff. I talked to my lawyer, and he said he said I was fine to to give them a bunch of documents as evidence, and I think I'm going to do that. Um, what did you think overall? Do you think do you feel like this is your chance to have a say and tell them what really happened? Yeah, I thought uh, they were there to listen to me. Um, they uh, seemed pretty interested. The, the questions they asked were honest questions. I think uh, they were actually digging to see really what happened. They, they really want to know what happened. Yeah, that's that's good. I. How old would you say that these people were? Were they younger than you, older than you? Um, I would say they're all younger than me. I'm, yeah. I'm going to be 47 this year, and I felt like they were younger than me. Um, all the all of these lawyers that were asking me questions. Um, one of the things that you told me, I thought, must have shocked them. They asked you about the uh, defacing of the Terry Fox uh, statue. Tell 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 uh, tell us what you told them. Well, I always say you can paint two narratives, but I met Terry Fox when he was actually running on the road. We were driving in my nineteen. 78 uh, satellite and I ended up uh, handing across to him and told him good job good job go for it man and the way I look at it is they put a toque on him to warm his head they put a flag on his back because he's a true Canadian hero and he believed that what he was doing was freedom of speech freedom of, of expression and he was fighting for cancer right you know why did all the people from um, around Canada come to Ottawa because we were fighting to have our voices heard, and we were fighting for mandates to be removed. I mean, isn't that what Canadians do? Peacefully protest, peacefully do things that they feel in their heart they need to do. And Terry Fox felt the urge to, to run with one leg, guys, across Canada. Yeah. So Amazing, the, amazing man. Obviously, oh, he was a hero for you. Like, yep. How old were you when you met him? I want to say I was 18, 18 and didn't know anything, but I seen a man who had courage, who had cancer, who didn't know when his next day was, and that, that inspired me. Yeah, and like, um, you know, for, like, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make this about uh, a generational struggle or anything like that, but, you know, for... For the younger people to tell the the older folks, I know, like you're, I'm forty, I'm gonna be forty seven. You're ten years older than me. Fifty eight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be fifty eight. So mm. you know, for the younger people to be, isn't isn't that just the way it is? Uh, you know, the younger crowds are saying, "Oh, you defamed the Terry Fox statue." They don't even know who Terry Fox is. They don't. Uh, they never met him. 
they never shook his hand or gave him a gift on his journey. And here's a guy sitting here, uh, and, and you don't feel like Terry Fox was disrespected by people adorning him with a Canadian flag or a toque that has a Canadian emblem on it or the maple leaf. Or and My brother-in-law, who, who he, w- he went out there, he fought cancer just a few months before he just finished beating cancer, and he came out to Ottawa to protest. He he went through fighting cancer in the cancer ward alone because his family couldn't visit him because they weren't vaccinated, and they, and they didn't have a vaccine passport to go in and visit their own dad and my sister's husband. He came out to protest, and he got a picture taken with the Terry Fox statue with the with the Canadian flag, and, and he was proud to stand beside that statue. I got it's a very very beautiful heartwarming picture of him standing beside that statue. And what do you think about? Um, do you think? What do you think about the efforts to demonize every just as much as they possibly can and say that people were disrespecting the Terry Fox statue by putting a Canadian flag on him and a toque and a, and and all that sort sort of thing? What do you think of that? It's it's ridiculous. Like. You know, I, I can relate to your story now. My, wallet, my wife's mother just went in, and she had cancer, and she had a couple operations. And again, we weren't able to be by her side, by her bedside, after her operations, because we're not vaccinated. Because the hospital has a policy. It's not a federal. They made up their own policy in Brockville, Ontario, some board, stating that we cannot be in the hospital. It's crazy. So on one side of the hospital, my son has a, a busted appendix. He goes into a merge. I can be with him. Once he gets operated and goes on the other side of the hospital, how dare you not go if you're not vaccinated to visit your own son? Hmm. It's, it's outrageous, Chad. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine what their family went through. Like, yeah. Like, so you told me that today the Emergency Act Committee seemed numb and dumbfounded and that they had no clue after talking to you. What, uh, how did the interview start? What, what did they, uh, like, what did they want to know first? Uh, they, it was neat. They wanted to know who I was, where I came from, a family of seven my age. I told them that I was a volunteer fireman, that I was a contractor, and uh, I, I started getting into this because of War Room Canada. I was a roaming uh, reporter going around, and I was going to these rallies, these protests, and I was interviewing people and getting pictures and videos. And that's how I ended up meeting uh, all these people at the rally, and that's how they asked me if I'd be, um, if I could help them out anyway. So that. that so was they just of, wanted to know how you got involved. Yeah, how I got involved, who I was. They were very personal. Again, I, I, I felt like they did a great job. I didn't feel threatened from them. Um, I, I felt like, you know, I was able to personally talk to them like I am to you right now. You know, sometimes I might have went on about some stuff, but they allowed me. Um, yeah, I thought they did a great job. I, I really believe in my heart, and again, I'm only going by what I got from them, that they actually really care. Like, they're, they're trying to find out the truth. Like, you know, I'm sure they're being paid to do this, but they just gave me the feeling that they wanted to know the truth. Uh, the questions weren't difficult. They weren't trying to, you know, downplay me or anything like that. They just honestly wanted to know the truth. Right. And and uh, uh, so, um, 
what did they what did they seem to want to focus on um, the most? You know, I thought it might just only be a couple things, but after getting after talking to them, we branched in about money. We branched in about gifts and go. We branched in about yourself, how we met, and how we how we were friends, and how long we've been friends. Um, uh, what else? Um, basically, they they really wanted to know what I seen on the ground. What did I witness personally? As in, did I witness violence? Did I witness people being cursed at? Did I did I was there a, a, another agenda behind this? And and that, and they're honest questions, right? Because I mean, everyone has their own story, their own witness. You know, you can be at an accident scene, and all of us can be there, but tell a little different story. But everyone knows we were there, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. And then again, yeah. the biggest thing I, I was glad they asked me about was how long my bank account was frozen for thirty-nine days. They really wanted to know how that affected me personally and mentally. Yeah, um, you. Said that they asked you about the Nazi flag. I thought that was a surprising thing to ask you about. Uh, what did you? What was your? Why do you think they asked you about that? And what was your response? I'm not sure why they asked me. I'm sure because it was such a big media thing. That's all they talked about for months during. I mean, weeks during the the uh, rally. But um, so I do know that I knew a person that actually talked to him personally. He couldn't speak English well. And the only reason he had the Nazi flag up because he was pointing to it and saying to people, if Canada and the government continues to do what we're doing, we're go- it's going to be like Germany t- times two. Yeah. So he, this, okay. So this guy was in his own way uh, trying to warn people that uh, if, that Canada could end up being like Nazi Germany. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I and get then, that. Uh, Oh, and they did mention yeah. the Confederate flag, and I said, "Well, that doesn't fly here; it won't work here. That's for the U.S." Yeah. So. I, I don't, I don't get that one either. I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the kind of people that like flew the Confederate flag. I think, I think that those people see that as um, a symbol of rebellion, like uh, rebelling against authority or something like that. But I, I don't even think they know uh what that means like i don't think they are i don't think they know like american history i don't to be honest with you not not maybe they do maybe they maybe they're like bookworms and like reading american history and that's why they flew the confederate flag but i seriously doubt that or like Uh, you said these people are so young and don't realize if they don't know about terry fox how they're going to know about the confederation flag right like well exactly like you know and uh, I did see, you know, like a. It was nice to see younger people uh, uh, out protesting for their rights, but there was, a, you know, older folks like you and me who were who, like, you know, we we remember when Terry Fox was alive. Uh, we remember what we did to honor him, like like we we did, you know. The, I remember when Terry Fox runs first started, you know, like. Like other people, they just know the name Terry Fox, but they don't remember what he, who he was, what he was all about, the news following him, him like making stops along the way, visiting schools, you know. So, want to hear a funny story? I 
I told him is, I actually did his parents' roof. I shingled his parents' roof. <laughs> yeah. Oh I know. Isn't it, isn't it a small world? So. Yeah. yeah we know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. So for like, I mean, Just like a, I said, I don't want to, I don't, I, I'm, I, I think kudos to the younger people. I mean, especially that came out and protested because, you know, we're the older generation. We're scared that young people have no clue about human rights and 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 the value of standing up for yourself and your and your family we we fear that right but they were there and um but but then the younger people that are accusing us of dishonoring people like terry fox well they weren't even like i mean it was going to be another 20 years until they were born uh after terry fox right Mm -hmm. and so like come on Come on, young people! You gotta, you know, talk to us first before you accuse us of anything, right? Exactly. So. You know, and again, I uh, I searched to see if people were doing evil things there. I, I couldn't find anyone that 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 wanted to do bad things. Like it was just too much fun going on. There was too much laughter, too much hugging, great music, free food. I mean. It was the biggest party I've ever went to in my life. You know, like yeah. the Queen students, they party every year for a whole weekend. Well, we made that look like a joke. I mean, we partied for three weeks. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, uh, when when uh, you told me a, a, a really interesting uh, fact before you went into this interview, you told me that... Um, uh, it, you were you guys responded adopted trucker people responded to uh, the accusations by politicians uh, Justin Trudeau said that the protesters were stealing food from homeless people and once you guys heard that what did you do about that Chris well uh, we sat down as a committee and we filled the shelves of all the homeless places we filled them up so much that they asked us to stop bringing food and clothing that's uh, pretty interesting. So, how did you, how did you do that? Did you uh, put out an email, or did you uh, like, like, who was the committee, and and how did how did you guys decide that you were going to do that? Well, there was a couple captains that were running the food part, and we just had a little meeting that morning and said, load them up, give whatever they need, because we had so much clothing and food coming in. I mean, it was it was it was perfect, perfect timing actually, because so people were. Sorry, go ahead. It was perfect timing because, like, what were we going to do with all this food that people kept bringing? Well, I mean, when I remember walking down the streets, I seen the homeless wearing new jackets, new new toques, new shoes. I mean, they did not look homeless no more. They had smiles on their face. Mm -hmm. They looked like they were being loved. Yeah, yeah. So, so you, um, uh, you guys started to direct trucks that were coming in to give. So these trucks were just willingly coming in, like you weren't you weren't phoning people to donate. They were showing up to donate. Like where did they show up to donate? Did they phone you and say, "Hey, I got a truck here," and tell you where they were and ask you where to put the stuff? Like what was what was going on? How was that even happening? Exactly, like you said, they were actually phoning, asking where they could bring their donations. Some people were going directly right to Coventry, and from there it was being directed to all the other places. We had warehouses. We had trucks that were acting as reefers to keep things cold. 
we had we had one guy bring in a, a truckload of sausage and I, and I didn't get to see it but I heard that we had a truckload of steak too I wish I would have had one. Oh, yeah no no like uh, actually there's um there's a guy uh, Randy Cron uh, mm-hmm. out on Kent Street they got okay. that steak by the way because wow. there's a picture of him on his Facebook page him and a bunch of truckers are sitting down to have steak so that's them. how I know about that, right? Because I, okay. I just went on Facebook. Because uh, I heard about the steak. I think it was from you. And then I just coincidentally was scrolling through Randy Cron's Facebook page. And he has a great uh, Facebook page for Ottawa. It's uh, R-A-N-D-Y-K-R-A-H-N, I think. And, um, and, and, and he was passing through town. That's the guy whose uh, story is the heaviest load. Wow. Where I asked him. I said, Randy, why did you guys stay so long uh, to protest? And and he said, uh, he told that story about how um, uh, a mother handed him her daughter's suicide note saying that all her hopes and dreams were gone. She had no life anymore. Um, everything she wanted to, to do and accomplish, she couldn't do. And she took her life. And so uh, he went to Ottawa uh, and thinking, you know, I have to do something for these people, and they, the, like you said, like did you t- did you talk to the did, did the the emergency act people ask you why people stayed so long? Uh, no, I just gave them like I just gave them that answer. I just said, hey, you're wondering why everyone stayed so long, and myself, and then my lawyer mentioned, Chris, why did you stay so long? And I said because they needed me, they needed food, they they needed shelter. I mean, these people weren't leaving, and then that's when I gave them the story about that trucker and the suicide note. The heaviest load ever. I, I can't imagine mm-hmm. what that, that fellow was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, And I think another reason why people stayed very long is because uh, on the way there, and while protesting, politicians were literally calling them names and continuously making up, like, lies and false accusations about them, like, saying that they defaced the Terry Fox uh, statue, saying that the protesters danced on the tomb of the unknown soldier, when really that was an Ottawa girl, an Ottawa teenager, who just went there to, you know, see what what all the fuss was about and ended up partying with her friends. Um, and then they said they, people were urinating on, on, the, on the war memorial when, I mean, if that was, if that's actually true, that people did... Uh, urinate there. It was probably those the same people that showed up to party and see what the protest was about, like the the young people. And then again, like, but then, like, what did you see? How did you see people treating the war memorial in Ottawa? Were they were they disrespecting it? No, they shoveled the snow. Or they took the fence down. They even set up guards that stayed up all night. I couldn't believe it. Like, you know, these people are, they're true patriots when it comes to wanting to serve for Canada and serve for their country and serve for freedom. I was proud of them, actually. Yeah. You know, I was surprised to see uh, in the newspaper the pictures of of urine in the snow around the war memorial. The thing that struck me was that the, there was snow piled really high around the war memorial. Nobody was taking care of that war memorial. No, nobody was guarding it. There used to be a full-time guard at that war memorial before he got murdered, and they never replaced that guard. Um, they, 
the city of Ottawa wasn't shoveling that war memorial. The city of Ottawa wasn't guarding that war memorial anymore. Um, and then up in comes the protesters and the war vets, and they took care of that thing better than than it's been taken care of in a long time. Like yeah, that's, and then they, that's and then what they, I saw. yeah, and then they beat them. Like you know, they're they're worried about people peeing on it and doing whatever, and then they beat them right there on that memorial they beat yep. them and they and they and they held them down and we're not talking young people we're talking veterans that are older you know who really really could may could have or probably got really hurt when they got thrown to the ground like i mm-hmm. you know it'd be our, our dads Can you imagine our dads being beat up right now at their ages like i can't imagine that like, no or yeah. or someone who uh experienced war before and then going through that um, that'd be pretty uh, heartbreaking on a lot of levels. Wondering, you know, whether you're, the country that you serve to protect um, is even like is on the right path. You know, like usually when you, I would think a soldier would be thinking that. Besides it being a job, you know, being a soldier. But besides that, you would be hoping that the country that you're fighting for is is has the right morals and it's worth it, right? No, I agree. Yeah, it's a sad day. Like I said to them, like at the end, I said, "What a sad day, you know, for mm-hmm. for you know the police to come in and uh, beat their own citizens up, and you know, like we did nothing wrong. We were peaceful. We were kind, and you know, for Trudeau to." you know, invoke the emergency act on his own people and tells you where his heart really is. Because we yep. know that, you know, you can you can have a lot of things come out of your mouth, but when you when you create actions and, and violence like that on your own people, you don't you don't love Canada. You don't love you don't love people. I could see mm-hmm. if we were violent or we were destroying or starting fires like they said we did or you know, anything destructful. I, I, I we're not for that. We would have left a long time ago. You know that we talked about that, but it, mm-hmm. it breaks my heart to see what happened to Canada. Right. Uh, so, um, is there anything uh, that uh, surprised them or uh, caused them to? Uh, I don't know. Just let me ask you this: Do you think that they knew who you were? No, not at all. No. Why do you think people have no idea uh, about you? Like, do you feel like it's being suppressed? Uh, what a dro- adopt a trucker was, what it did. Like, I know uh, how things got bought and paid for uh, uh, on an organizational level. I mean, besides just people bringing in food, bringing in money, dispersing it to the truckers, walking because I saw people walk the streets put envelopes into truckers windows and I mean that's not an organization that's just grassroots but like uh, people don't know about you and like what kind of stuff did adopt a trucker pay for well like I said we flew the the lawyers in that was about 67,000 the stage I think in total cost us about 60,000 and then it just went, you know, there was, we ordered 24,000 hot dogs and barbecues and vests and radios and speakers and heaters and tents and 
we were just trying to really, really do what the people wanted done with their money. It was to help out in the in the convoy, help out the truckers, help out the movement, help um, keep people warm, be humanitarians. I mean, these people actually felt like they were adopting a trucker. And they did, mm -hmm. because we did everything we could possibly do to make them feel welcome. It'd be like if I brought you in my home. I'd feed you, I'd take care of you, I'd give you a place to sleep. If you needed to go to the store, I'd drive you, right? Um, yeah, it was, it was a wonderful thing to see how kind-hearted Canadians really are. Yeah, and when you say you paid for the lawyers to come out, I think you're talking about Keith Wilson and the JCCF lawyers. Like um, There was Andre Mamari, Eva Chapuik, um, Allison Pajovic, uh, Tim Turple, um, and then I came on that flight as well, um, and so did uh, Dwayne Leach, Tamara's husband. Yeah. Um, yep. Now, were you originally supposed to pay for that flight? No, no, not at all. But uh, after you talking and me talking to the owner, uh, it didn't look like he was going to get paid. And again, I mean, we needed as much help as possible because it seemed like uh, things weren't going as we planned, maybe to be there just for the weekend. It was stretching on and on. Nobody wanted to talk to us. Nobody mm -hmm. wanted to confront us. No one wanted to hear us. So you mentioned that but it would be a good idea to... Got, um, yeah, their funds, the Tamara's funds got frozen. And this poor exactly. guy, this, this, this guy who came to the Swiss and you met him. Yes. Um, yeah. He wasn't going to get paid because... the there was no money to pay him because all of the give, send, go money got frozen under restraining orders and Maria injunctions and all that sort of thing. Um, and then uh, you said, okay, well, you know, you, like, and this airline had half of its operations uh, completely destroyed by COVID mandates. And uh, they were basically there, you know, kind of supporting as well and you you volunteered to pay for that so i remember that and and uh that's kind of how that came to be just you know this guy was down this guy was like on his last legs him in his brother's business and and you you offered to pay for that which was which was nice um and uh also right another canadian patriot trying to do whatever you know you can to help out right that's that's who he was right helping with the yeah. cause and um and then uh, eventually um i think uh you know uh uh keith wilson and eva chapuik from jccf they ended up coming over to the swiss hotel to stay there and you were paying you basically bought up all the rooms of the swiss hotel for everybody staying there like uh how many rooms were you paying for and for how long i'd say at least 16 rooms that i was paying for and that yeah. lasted i i want i want to say the way it worked out probably about 20 days and 20 days and what kind of people like who was all staying there like so danny bulford myself you uh, Tamara ended up staying there in Duane. Uh, we had uh, Thomas O'Connor. We had Kelly. We had um, the EMSs. We had uh, Judy. We had uh, Eva. Like the, the, the whole crew that was helping with Adopter Trucker, making it function, making it work. Uh, 
you know, yep. making sure that people had food and all that. They were all there. And and the woman that ran, the, that owned the hotel, she was a lovely lady. She allowed us to use her kitchen so that we could make some food and eat ourselves. And then we had the firemen from Toronto who took care of the stage. I mean, these, these people were amazing, Chad. You were there, you know, <laughs> you've seen it. Yeah, I saw you in the back there chopping up food and uh, making supper a few times with uh, with people in the back. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty jovial atmosphere. Um, and, there were uh, songs so, yeah. made up. Yeah, there were songs. There was cheers. Yep. Uh, we, yep. were, we were hugging each other. We were. It was, it was mm-hmm. like a hockey tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was Jason McDonald staying there too? Yes, yeah. Or was he somewhere else? Yeah, he was the guy that was basically doing all the nuts and bolts of running the stage, like the generators, yep. and uh, and he rented the the screen, or he helped rent that. You you he went out. Yeah, I paid for it. it cost screen. me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I think uh, people really appreciated that though, because um, uh, doctors were coming in live streaming to the crowd, and um, what. What were some of the doctors that live streamed in? Do you remember? I, I want to say Peter McCullough was one. Um, yeah. I think Dr. Alexandria, uh, Trump's doctor there, friend, uh, came. He mm. was on screen. I don't, I don't have a list of them, but yeah, there was a few few big uh, doctors that people knew. It was pretty interesting. And that, yeah. that, went, that went worldwide, which was pretty cool because of that box that we rented, the stream box. Yeah, okay. So it was uh, streaming to what was it streaming to, like uh, around just the like world? Any, anyone could pick it up. It was like yeah. So it had yeah. It, it would be like you going live on Facebook in some sense, and able to broadband it anywhere that Facebook could be watched. Was was uh, were were some of these sessions recorded? I don't know. Like that's a good good question. That that we need to find out. I know there is yeah. a website or something on Facebook right now that they're asking people for volunteers to look through hours and hours and hours of footage of the of the uh, protest. Have you seen that yeah. on Facebook? Something 360 or something? Hmm, no, I'll have to. Yeah, you should send that to me after because uh, I took uh, videos uh, when I was walking the streets. When I, when I first uh, arrived in Ottawa, I, I was walking around and... There, there, it was amazing. Like people of every color and creed, age, uh, little kids. I mean, you know, uh, I'm uh, I'm a white male, so I'm probably not allowed to say this. But there was like little black kids, and there was Asian people of all kind and of all kinds of uh, race, like um, you know. Indian and Arab and just everything and so uh, but they were the media and the politicians were trying to say that uh, uh, you know it was some nefarious scary racist thing the thing is I I know I know that it was probably noisy uh, downtown uh, uh, but because it was like a carnival right it was circus it was, carnival it was like a fair yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was like a fair or whatever, and um, but you know uh, somebody somebody said a, a really good point to me. Um, if uh, if the exact same protest happened for um, climate change or uh, global Black warming, Black Lives Matter, he went and gave a knee. Trudeau gave a knee with a mask on, right in the right in the midst of the uh, COVID. 
Did you know that? Yeah. <clears throat> no, I didn't know that. But if it was any other uh, protest, um, it would be okay, right? Like, but because it was, it was a direct protest against government uh, mandates. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't just a protest against something um, nebulous. Like, it wasn't a protest against a bad thing in the world, like global warming. It was a direct protest against government decisions like which is very uh, and a very specific and very specific decisions too like um when is when's the last time uh there was there was a protest against an actual government decision well there was after that there was the dutch protest against uh these crazy uh nitrogen uh limits that they're gonna they're going to try and make farmers decrease their fertilizer um, use, which is ridiculous. But people are like uh, citizens around the world are starting to directly protest against government decisions. And look what our Canadian government does. They, they did all the things that they did, right? Um, name well, calling. it's funny too that you yeah. mentioned that because doing the mandates, they brought out all these, uh, um, these laws and rules that had no science. And now that the science is out, you can see that they just made them up. They had no science yet, and they made up rules six six foot distancing. Like, come on. Costco and, and, and Superstore can be open, and Walmart, but mom and pa shops have to close down because COVID might go to them. What's COVID got a brain? Hey, you're white. I'm going to go after you. No, you're, t- you're too tall. Stay away from you. Like, like, yeah. Did people lose their minds during COVID? Yeah, they did. Um, there's an interesting quote by Einstein where he says that scientists shouldn't make public policy because public policy is a very complex thing that's bigger than than science. So, like, maybe scientists should have input into public policy, but they shouldn't create it. And we shouldn't blindly obey scientists because, man... Just think about it. Every everybody needs to think about this. Hey, hey, doctor, should I go outside today? Hey, doctor, should I should I go to um to a to a football game where there'll be fifty thousand people? Well, you know, like or or just go door knocking, go knocking door to door and ask people. Um, you know, it's possible for kids to break their ankles on a trampoline. Should kids go on trampolines? Well, people are gonna say no. They shouldn't. They, the answer is always going to be no, right? No, don't go to that football game. No, don't jump on that trampoline. No, don't go to work today because somebody might sneeze on you. It's like you you have to take risks in life. Life is about risks. Everything is a risk. You can't have a life with no risks. If you're going to ask people whose job it is is to say, no, don't go outside your house today, that's what they're going to say. You know, anyways, sure. it's no, just it it, it, No, well, I mean, can you even trust the doctors these days? Because think about it. If I'm overweight and obese and I drink two Coke every day and I go to the doctor and he looks at me and says, oh, you got diabetes here. Just take this pill. Why not look at me and say, what, do, what are you eating, Chris? You drink two Cokes a day and you don't exercise. Well, no wonder you got yeah. diabetes. Why don't you change your diet? They, they're not allowed to say that. Like, 
you know, when, when does it come to the point? against you. There you go, right? You know, why not tell me the truth? Did you know that um, discrimination against uh, weight is actually uh, protected in human rights? Like you can't. Wow. Um, yeah, if you look it up, uh, like if. Uh, so yeah, a doctor would have to be careful when talking to an overweight person um, that they <laughs> didn't like insult them, right? Because, uh, but. Anyways, it's it's a, it's one of the protected things. Uh, I That's mean, crazy. There's there, but you know, of course, things start out. Things start out. Uh, laws like that probably start out good natured. Like, you shouldn't be calling. Well, this is your doctor. This is your yeah. doctor. who should be able to talk to you. I understand that the average person shouldn't be making fun of fat people, but your doctor should yeah. be able to say, "I think I can tell you how you got there." I think yeah. I can tell you. Hey Chris, you're showing your age, eh? Like you, you didn't use a fancy enough word for uh, for obese. You said fat. No. You, yeah, you, sorry. you, you, were, you didn't use the proper word. So you're gonna you're gonna get arrested now or something. Uh-oh. Someone, someone, uh, someone twenty five to thirty years younger than you is gonna show up at your door and uh, give you a fine. They're gonna give you a well, ticket. Did, didn't El, didn't didn't he make that really funny song and Michael Jackson? I'm fat, you know it. Your body's wide. <laughs> no, 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 that's uh, that's Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, Chris. I know, but he made fun of that song. Remember, I'm fat yeah, yeah. instead of I'm bad. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, words these days, like you can't even talk anymore. It's crazy. Remember, we were told no. sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Yeah. So, so this is a, a, a very wise person told me that um, what. People used to use um, human rights as a shield to protect themselves, but now they use it as a sto- as a sword to attack people. They use it as a dagger. So mm-hmm. instead of saying, "Hey, uh, stop, stop uh, oppressing me, stop uh, calling me uh, fat, or, or or stop making fun of me because I'm gay, or stop making, you know, or or uh, don't you shouldn't fire me because of my sexual orientation." Instead of people protecting themselves with these rights and using it as a shield, they're now using these rights as a sword and saying, "Hey, um, you're a straight white male, so you're a, you're a racist and you hate gay people." And they're stabbing people with these rights. They're not mm-hmm. using it as a shield. And I was like, "Wow, that is a really that's a really good analogy." Like, yeah, people have turned um, like when Trudeau was. Like, like, look at what look at what uh, Trudeau said. He he used that as a dagger, right? People disagreed with him on COVID mandates, and what does he do? He takes out his um, racism dagger and he starts calling people racist and saying they're racist, they're misogynists, they're you know they're Nazis, they're, they're, Nazis. they're, they're Nazis or whatever, and just right wing, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's not a it's not a shield anymore. It's a it's a weapon. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, for them to ask you about that Nazi flag, it's like, well, th- they could they could sabotage any protest against them by by planting a Nazi flag there, you know. Yeah, it'd be different if we had them on our trucks and I had it on my shirt, and uh, we were all dressed up in Hitler uniforms or German uniforms, walking around the streets instead of a doctor trucker. It was a Hitler Hitler adopts truckers. Yeah, I mean, that's psycho, right? But 
Like, I just yeah. can't believe where we've gone. It's like it's like bizarro world. Yeah. It well, really it's, it's like this, too. I, I asked somebody to imagine if thousands of Nazis showed up to Ottawa, what would that actually look like? Like, what would happen if a bunch of Nazis with weapons showed up in Ottawa to take over the government? Um, that would look way different than bouncy castles and street hockey and barbecues and free food and free toques and clothes for the poor uh, and, and, and food banks being overrun with food because they're getting too much donations because you told them to do that. I mean, that's how, like, it's like, um, come on, people, uh, what are you thinking, right? Like, what are, you, what are you believing? I did tell them, too, and I think they might have been shocked, but I did say, did you know that because the mayor of Ottawa told these businesses to shut down and lose money, that the ones that stayed open, we knew that they were going to be overwhelmed. So we provided toilet paper. We washed their bathrooms, and we washed their floors, and we shoveled in front of their businesses. Yeah, that's amazing. Does that How sound like guys... a Nazi thing, or? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, people are gonna get the wrong idea of what a Nazi is. A Nazi is not a good thing. Um, if 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 the younger generation never heard of what a Nazi is and saw you guys doing all that shoveling and stuff, they might actually think Nazis are nice people. <laughs> you know, like it's like no, no, they're they're not these guys. Like, don't. <laughs> so, it's funny. There there might be the a, a wrong um, interpretation by the younger generation of what. When I grow up, I want to be a Nazi. You know, like yeah. well, why would you say that? Because they shovel sidewalks and they sweep floors and they're nice to people. It's like, where did you get that idea yeah, from? They're kind and. Well, the funny thing about it is, like, you think of a protest. I mean, if if you wanted to be mean at a protest, number one, you wouldn't work with the police. Number two, you wouldn't care what if the roads were blocked, if the ambulance couldn't get through, if the fire getting, couldn't get through. All those bad stuff, right? So what do we do? We get to Ottawa. The first thing we do is we work with the police we tell them we're on their side. We're here to make things easy. They give us all the parking spots. They give us all the places where to put the trucks and the tents. I work with them side by side. I work with the parliament police. Do you need permits? No, Chris. Go ahead. Set up the stuff. I mean, who does that? Mm -hmm. You know, like we weren't here to be vindictive. We weren't here to punish people in Ottawa. We weren't here to punish the working people in Ottawa or their homes. It's just a protest is loud. A protest is offensive in a way because the word protest means you're here to protest against something that the government has done to us. We would have never went to the Ottawa. But two years of torture, finally the people said, that's enough. We're coming. Mm -hmm. We're hurt. We're not a fringe minority. And yes, we're here. And yes, it was a little loud, but we were respectful. We didn't close the streets oh, down. We worked with the police, we worked with the fire, we worked with the ambulance, we had our own doctors, EMSs, and we fed whoever was there, and we gave it free food and clothing. That sounds like a really mean protest. <laughs> Tell me yeah. where the next one is, and I'll be there, because that sounds like fun. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's... Uh, and uh, what people are forgetting is that it was a protest in the middle of a Canadian winter. So uh, it wasn't like... It, it wasn't like people planned to go in the nice, warm summer months. Why do you think people chose February in Canada, minus thirty? Why would why would like the 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 highways into Ottawa had this thick of ice on it? I know because I when we drove home all the way back to Saskatchewan, I got out and I almost did the splits. Because it was, a, it was a complete standstill on the highway. And I was like Bambi. I was like, whoa. And this was the highway. It was it was the best curling rink you could ever hope for on my way home. And that was the highway. Like, um, like why do you think Canadians protested in the middle of a Canadian winter? They had enough. They had enough. Like I said, when I got up on stage, I said, you never pick a fight with a Canadian. Especially in the winter, because <laughs> it doesn't I mean, matter. It doesn't matter yeah. whether it's minus thirty. We'll get. We'll, you know, it's like, well, why did like that? That question. Why did they stay so long? Yes, there was the emotional part of it, but the trek and the journey all the way from Vancouver to Ottawa. Do people people need to go get a map and look at how huge of a distance that is? That's how far people drove. All the way from Vancouver to Ottawa. They weren't going to go there and, and just turn around and go home after one afternoon. Especially after they were being called uh, Nazis and misogynists and racists and the worst human scum on earth. I mean, would you turn around and go back right away? Yeah, I guess I'll just go home now. Um, uh, just, well, uh, I mean, yeah. It's just I common mean, it's... sense, right? It's common sense. Yeah. And you got to go you deep, be too, hurt. right? Because think of the people that couldn't get in, like you said, to see their loved ones in the hospital. Their friends were losing their jobs. I mean, people weren't able to go get cancer treatments. I mean, they literally shut down Canada over, I don't even want to get into it, because everyone that took the vaccine twice still ended up getting COVID twice. So why did we shut down Canada? Why yeah, did how we many allow times did Trudeau get? How many times did Trudeau get COVID? Three times, and he was vaccinated three times. Three so, times. I know. And, and he was I mean, traveling all over the world. And the, remember when? Do you remember when the, people don't people don't say this anymore? But they were calling unvaccinated people super spreaders. Remember yes. that? Yep. So who was the super spreader? That's right. Trudeau, Trudeau was the super mm -hmm. spreader. He's the one who decided to travel all over the world he got covid three times so he spread covid three times he's the super spreader i wasn't allowed mm -hmm. to go in restaurants i wasn't allowed to go on planes i wasn't allowed to go on trains i wasn't allowed to go to movies i wasn't allowed to go to anything how was i a super spreader and why did COVID keep getting spread around if the other one that was vaccinated were the ones going on the trains the planes the restaurants the theaters but we stayed mm -hmm. at home because we felt neglected. We felt, you know, we can't go anywhere. So I'm surprised yep. they let us into the grocery stores. Yep. So, Chris, the, 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 um, how did you end your interview today? What, did, what was the last thing you talked about? I talked about um, 
my bank account being frozen for 39 days and how disgusting it was that uh, that the banks even held my, my account frozen for nine more days after the judge uh, re released uh, my account with the Mariva Junction. Um, how the, the nonsense of um, the media, how they, they downplayed us, called us names, told lies, and it was the most peace, peaceful rally that I've ever been in my entire life. And I was proud to be there, and I was proud of every Canadian that was peaceful, kind, and loving to everyone there. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. History. We, 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 we should be getting awards for standing yep. up for freedom. Not that I want one, but you know what I mean? Again, yeah. that's why if, if you go on my website, awarroomcanada.net, and you were part of this loving, peaceful rally, please go there, download your award. It's in English, it's in French. Put your name in there, and you deserve it. Like, please. Like, you, you're my hero. Again, like, I, I explained to them that it was the loving people of Ottawa, the 1,300 people that registered with the Dr. Trucker, Another 4,000 people that just did their own thing. If it wasn't for those loving people in Ottawa, we could have never did the rally. It would have never existed. It would have never lasted this long. And it would have never been this peaceful if it wasn't for the peaceful people in Ottawa and the people that came. Hmm. Yeah. Um, they're, you're going to do another session with them next week. Um, yeah. do they, do, do they, what else do they want to talk to you about? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm I'm excited because I, I really believe that they they were really truly interesting to hear what I had to say. So mm. I mean, if anyone out there um, is afraid to go to the inquiry, I recommend go, go talk to them, tell your story, yeah. be truthful, tell the truth. Yeah, and if you've yeah. seen some bad things, tell them about the bad things. Tell them what happened maybe to those bad people. Maybe they got sent home. Yeah, um, there, there's you know, this. Um, oh, sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Don't go ahead. I know that uh, there's this uh, sentiment going on to be afraid to talk to the Emergency Act Inquiry Committee because you're going to self-incriminate yourself if you talk to them. Um, there's lawyers telling people not to talk to them. What do you think of that now that you talk to the Emergency Act? Do you, do you trust them? Do you think they're going to use this against you? Do you think they're going to throw it in your face and accuse you of something? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Um, I don't think they're going to use it against me. And I said, I mean, yourself too. I mean, because I'm able to tell the truth and tell the story of what I've seen and what I believe we were doing honestly, um, they can use it against me all they want. I did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. There was, there was millions of people there that did nothing wrong. Um, yeah, you're going to have a bad apple once in a while in, in, a, in a group. Please point them out. We'll point them out. We'll tell you who they are if we, if we think they're bad apples because we never, ever had intentions to do anything evil. And, I mean, you are going to have, once in a while, you're going to have some bad people. But that was never the intentions from the beginning. Even when I talked to the whole crew and everyone, no. You know, you know that yourself, right? You mean you yeah, would have left? I mean, we would have been gone. Like, there was, I'm not getting uh, arrested. There was, just, well, there was just a bunch of people like you and me there, just moms and dads, people with jobs, people who lost their jobs, people who couldn't keep their jobs, people who were being harassed at their jobs, people who weren't allowed to be... A, their kids weren't allowed to participate with other kids in sports. Their kids were freaks of nature. 
pushed off to the side. My kids, my my kid paid his fees to do wrestling. He walked around in minus forty weather in Saskatchewan, sold all his tickets to pay for his uh, his wrestling. Uh, he's not, he was nine years old when he did that. Came home with foggy glasses. I sold my last ticket, Dad. I'm done. Couldn't couldn't go to the wrestling tournaments. And if you're this re- if you are from Saskatoon and you're in this wrestling club. Uh, know this: If you try and pull what you pulled last year, and say, and say uh, you're going to boycott tournaments unless everybody's vaccinated, I I'm going to wrestle all of you. I'm going to I'm not even a wrestler. I'll wrestle you. I'll come to Saskatoon and wrestle all you head coaches. And you better That's beat right. me because you you better beat me because otherwise it'll be very embarrassing to lose to a non wrestler. But I, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go, go with in you. like Karate Kid, eh? I'll go into yeah. uh, challenge the dojo leader. <laughs> That's right. Well, do you want to know the good. crazy thing about this? And you can you can probably relate to this yourself. I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian 26 years. And when you tell people about Jesus, you get either a smile or you get, oh, there's another Jesus freak. Let's get away from him. But I'll tell you, I've never felt so alienated in my life what they did with me with COVID. Like I thought, you know, being a Christian, it's tough because people think, you know, you're religious and you're this and that and all this stuff. They have this sort of Bible thumper weirdo. Yeah, exactly. But COVID was like times 10. It was like X Factor 5. Like I've never in my life been really catered, but belittled. That's how they treated the lepers. That's how I felt. I really did. Like, thank and God I was sort of. you didn't even have a disease. You didn't I, even well, have a disease. I know, but. The, I had one guy at the fire hall, one of the fire prevention guys, told me in, in his council meeting that people were afraid to sit beside me. <laughs> Can you believe that? This is a counselor. This is a fire prevention guy. He was telling me. I'm that- laughing. I'm laughing. Because it's because you weren't vaccinated. It's like that doesn't mean you have a disease. It means you're not it's not even, actually that mRNA treatment is not a vaccine. A vaccine. Know, gene therapy. It's gene therapy. They're proving it now. It's all coming out. It's all coming out, Ted. Like, we were right. We were on the right side of history. I mean, I feel sorry for not for, for them not holding their ground. I mean, it was new. I mean, it still hasn't even been um, classified. It's, it's still experimental in the United States. So I don't know how it's a, approved here in Canada. If it's still yeah. experimental in the states, yeah, and I, you know, um, and you're a very peaceful, loving guy. So am I. I've never like assaulted anybody in my whole life. I do like to keep in shape. I was in contact sports. I was in that sort of thing. I'm starting to feel like uh, if pe- people, if these people want to be extremely super vicious, I almost feel like saying, well. Let's go do a sanctioned sparring match then. Let's, let like, because it's <laughs> it's getting ridiculous, you know. Covid like, boxing. <laughs> yeah, like 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 uh, like I don't really know what like there has to be some sort of outlet because um, the uh, the oppression doesn't seem to have any bounds anymore. If if someone can think of an excuse to completely destroy someone if it seems like they're gonna do it but it's gonna but you know like like telling people they're not allowed to 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 go to movies or grocery stores or 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 they're not 
not allowed to see a doctor. Like, my my wife and my kids tried to see a doctor about problems they had, but they could only um, have a phone consultation. And because they could only have a phone consultation, they couldn't be diagnosed. And they were being diagnosed wrong, and they were suffering because of that. That happened with my daughter and a face fungus because of the moisture from her mask. It happened with uh, my wife and kids getting strep throat a couple of times. They they refused to accept that it was strep throat, which is a bacteria infection. Instead, they were saying it was a viral infection, kind of insinuating they had COVID because they weren't vaccinated. And they and it was strep throat. And when they finally got properly diagnosed, which took too long, they already went through weeks of suffering. Then all they needed was to go on oh. penicillin for a couple of days, and they were fixed. Jeez. You know, like. Think how many people that lost their cancer treatments that died from not having their cancer treatments. People died. Surgeries, like, I think mm-hmm. pe- more people died from not being uh, uh, having surgeries than probably COVID, and they're not going to tell us the truth. No, exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, Chris, uh, I, we we're we going down rabbit holes a little bit here, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just really once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just really wanted to to know like how it was with you. Like at uh, you know what you what you felt about the the interview today, um, what they were the most surprised about, what what um, you know what 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 like oh before you go I want to ask you why do you think that nobody knows uh, much about the um, humanitarian stuff going on? Like why don't people know about you? Why don't people know about adopter trucker? Like, why is that? Do you think it's being suppressed, and and why? Um, because it paints a totally different narrative than what the the media. Can you imagine if CTV came and interviewed me, and they allowed me to tell my story on the news? Can you imagine how many people? Like when I meet people in the streets and I talk to them about the rally, and they and they say, "Oh, this and this," and I said, "I was there for three weeks." And I start telling them stories about mopping floors, giving toilet paper, feeding the hungry, giving out food. Everything was free. You should see their faces. They're like, oh, well, the, the first news time didn't they ever heard tell that. us that. The news didn't tell us that. Really? I, I ran into a police officer a couple of weeks ago at this um, Lyndhurst Turkey Fest. And he said, oh, they, you know, they, they should have listened to the cops. They should have obeyed and all that. And I said, were you there? No. And when I started telling him how we worked with the police, we were kind, his whole demeanor changed. He was like, oh, oh, oh. He was on my side when I left. Mm-hmm. He goes, good for you. He goes, I'm, a, I'm an older gentleman. I'm 72 years old. I'm retired. He said, when I went and talked to people, I confronted them. I talked to them like human beings. If they treated me like a human being, we had a human discussion. And it sounded, he goes, it sounds like that's what you were doing. And I said, yeah, we just wanted to talk to Trudeau. We mm-hmm. just wanted to have a discussion. So he was on my side after I told him the truth. So there you go. So can you imagine if one of these stations or even Fox News took me on right now and, and did a five-minute or eight-minute um, news channel on me and I was able to tell my story on Fox News? I mean, I know they had me there once already, right? And... You know, now that it's over with, I could tell them the whole story. And so could you. The two of us could be on there and tell them stories and tell them exactly what happened to the money. Because everyone wanted to know what happened to the money. And you're the perfect guy to tell the story. Right? I'm part of it, but you're part of it. 
right? They froze yeah. a Dr. Trucker. They froze Freezem 22. Both of our money were in Stripe. All the rest of the money went back. I mean, yeah, like we could really change this narrative. Put it this way, as far as I'm concerned, and again, I don't believe I'm the end to end all, but once they heard my story, they'd say, well, why did he do the emergency act? Show me the violent acts. I mean, the only violent acts, and you know this, were the horses that ran over people. The police, when they beat people and shot off tear gas stuff in people's legs, hit them with clubs, hit them with the end of guns. I mean, did anyone from the rally punch a cop? Did anyone from the rally start a fight? We, if they did, we don't. I, I've never heard of it. I, well, I wouldn't still... they be charged right now? They'd be talking about it on the news. Where's all yeah. the people charged? Well, I, I, I just I haven't heard of anyone attacking a police officer. Maybe no, it, Chris. Maybe somebody did. I don't know. But wouldn't I, they be charged? Wouldn't the, the media like that? They would play off. They play off a little Nazi that, flag. Yeah, that would be that individual person's decision to do that. It's not like um, that was being encouraged by anybody. It wasn't being encouraged. And even if it was encouraged by someone, who cares? That that person wasn't there to protest COVID mandates. Mm -hmm. Well, they dropped all the charges on everyone else. Hmm. They're all gone. So, you know, if it was that serious, I I wouldn't drop them, would you? Like I said to the police officer, if you thought that I was doing something criminal or something um, vicious or something, um, what did they charge Tamara with? Mischief? Would you not arrest me? So why didn't they arrest us all? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, we should probably wrap this up, yeah. but in our next episode, I'd like to talk to you about, um, and this is going to be really controversial, um, who were the convoy leaders and, um, and uh, did the protest take a different turn when certain people uh, showed up? Um, and, uh, you know. Um, yeah, that'll be a good one. <laughs> stay tuned. Uh, a lot of, stay tuned because uh, um, that could be, um, uh, it's, it's, it's tough, eh? Because you always want to be positive and you always want to be, uh, loving and caring and, and things like that. But um, uh, there are realities about this whole thing, this grassroots movement. Um, and from my perspective, I'm seeing um, like corporate entities start to try and take it over. And um, I really don't want that to happen. Um, like, I, like I, I mean... I got to get on with my life. This can't be what I do. I mean, I have a job. I have a business now. Thank God. Thank you, God. And thank you to all my customers that gave me business and gave me work so I can feed my family. I like what I do and I want to be good at what I do. But this can't be my life forever, right? Like protesting something and all that sort of thing. Right, Chris? Like, I know. Yeah. It's it's tiring, you know, but you, you feel compelled to get the truth out so that people aren't misled, right? Mm-hmm. I know you feel the same way. Like, just before this call, you were like, oh, man, when's this, this got to be over? You know, like... Yeah, <laughs> like enough's enough. Yeah, enough's, enough's enough, eh? Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, all right, man. buddy. Thanks Take for... Take care. Okay, see you, buddy. Okay, bye. Bye.